ratted out. The rat was wide-eyed and feral, with an unslakable thirst. It would not normally attack such a large beast, yet rats these days were not as in control as usual. Every rat in the nest felt like this. Stomach cramps, vomiting, not enough water in the world. Rats don't know from suicide. They're not like lemmings or humans. You'll never hear one say, hey, squeakers, end me. The super who put out the poison with the new and improved formula said so right on the package. Never thought about suicide either. He just wasn't built like that. His cousin, big shot chain furniture store guy, always had a theory. He'll tell you at any chance he gets, and it goes like this. Each of us is born with a different amount of green army men, the old-fashioned ones in the big canister. So, like a person could be given the same amount of stressors as anyone else, even a brother or sister, but depending on how many men you got on the inside determines how much you let the bad stuff affect your life and how you turn out. Got a good amount of them? Maybe you get through it with therapy and a decent marriage. Or maybe you got ripped off and you joined the ranks of the addicted and the dead. The super of this 12-apartment building with the rat problem must have had a good collection of green army men. A runoff wife, a kid on drugs, an incontinent dog. He never complained. Just cleaned, fixed, and poisoned, just like every other super in Manhattan was doing. He set out the poison for the second time after that Mrs. Jawala in 3C said a rat bit her dog. Now that was no normal circumstance, so he doubled the amount he put out only a week before. Maybe that last dose only made them bonkers instead of dead. It was a nut job theory, but he had noticed that the rat complaints spiked this week and were getting more bizarre. A rat bit my ankle in the elevator. A rat jumped on my kid in the middle of the night. And now three sees Toro the Wonder Mutt. What he didn't know was that the rats that bit the dog and the ankle and jumped on the kid were all from the same nest in the wall of the basement, near the leaky pipe behind the boiler, cozy and shredded newspaper, used napkins, and teenage hair from the girls in 2B. That day, the same day the super put out more new and improved poison, the nest was empty for most of the day. The super couldn't know that, couldn't even find the damn thing, but what he saw in the late afternoon nearly stopped his heart, but that's not what killed him. When he came out of the elevator on the third floor, he peered at the far end of the hallway, dim under the burned-out bulb he was sent to fix. The browned carpet undulated. Wait, the carpet up here wasn't brown. He blinked and took a step closer. He froze. The undulating rug grew whiskers, tails, and tiny claws that, as the super found out in the next twenty seconds, should not be underestimated for the pain and permanent damage they can cause. His screams brought out Mrs. Jawala and Toro, who screamed and barked simultaneously. The rat rear guard moved as one, continuing the wave effect. Mrs. Jawala managed to crush one in the, in the door, but that sacrificial rat allowed the door to remain open, and soon her apartment was a blur of scurried movement. Toro barked wildly, but once he was bitten, he leapt to the fire escape, the force of which brought the window rattling down onto his tail. His howling brought out a number of neighbors in the building, some yelling to shut up that mutt, and others with more compassion, saying they'll be right down to help. This scene played out over and over again in apartment buildings all over Manhattan Island. That new and improved formula turned rats into crazed, insatiable creatures. And, as you know, like in the House of Representatives, for every one rat you saw, there were 1,000 represented underground, in tunnels, in alleys, in the walls of everywhere. The poisoned rats attacked people, pets, and non-poisoned rats. By the end of the week, people were packed into makeshift high school gym shelters across the boroughs, or hunkered down 12 to an apartment like immigrants from the 1800s, sleeping in shifts. A week after that, it was decided that the only thing to do was torch the entire island. 
People were told to evacuate. Of course, some stayed, but most fled over bridges and through tunnels. New Jersey declared New Yorkers had four days to leave the city, and then they were cementing up their side of the tunnels and putting up, no pun intended, Jersey barriers at the end of the bridges. The boroughs had already started boarding up subway exits, and the borough president of Queens blew up his end of the bridge. Manhattan was then set ablaze from the air raid that dropped firebombs every 500 feet, aiming for the tops of apartment buildings. Manhattanites who decided they could never make it anywhere else were killed by either the bombs or rampaging rats, sometimes both at once. The boroughs absorbed the working-class residents, filling in the scores of vacant buildings available for habitation. Bankers, Etsy shop owners, gamers, and others who can survive online settled in New Jersey. But the shopkeepers and fashion designers just kept driving, their livelihoods destroyed, too many shops and not enough fashion for either to survive in the boroughs. Surely there aren't so many rats on the shores of California. <laughs>